0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Tis the season. Yes, of course, tis the season to be jolly. But it's also the season when some of the loveliest plants start to send forth shoots and blooms as they're stimulated by the colder weather and the lower sunlight. Yes, of course, I'm thinking of fragrant jasmine, cyclamen, Christmas cacti, and of course, orchids. There is something so satisfying about the day when I finally see new life, on a plant that I've been watching and tending and keeping alive for days and months on end without so much as a glimmer of growth. When the blooms finally appear at an unlikely time in the winter, they bring me such unexpected joy. Just as my orchids bloom at an unlikely time, The prophet Isaiah said so long ago that there would be blooming new life in an unlikely place in the desert. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Isaiah envisions this miraculous burst of life as a sign that the curse upon all creation was reversed. Because you see, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and ate the forbidden fruit, sin entered into the lives of every man and woman. But things also began to fall apart in creation as well. The world around us is not the way it's supposed to be. Drought, fruitlessness, disasters, sickness... And death are not part of God's first plan for us and for our world. And the Israelites believed in particular that the desert, oddly enough, labored in greater measure under God's judgment because the desert can sustain no life. And so it's so interesting that Isaiah chooses to see life in the desert of all places. In his letter to the Romans, Paul acknowledges the indirect effects of sin in the world around us when he says that creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will. And then Paul goes on to say that the reversal of creation's futile fate is coming. Creation itself will one day be set free from its bondage to decay, And it will obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. This is what Isaiah is talking about. Isaiah shows the beginning of this freedom from decay in very tangible, material ways. Not only is the wilderness transformed, but the bodies of men and women also display a return to Eden and a return to perfection. Isaiah envisions the eyes of the blind opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame man leaping, and the mute singing for joy. These two kinds of miraculous material transformation are like concentric circles out from the very epicenter of God's saving work. And the cause for the transformation as we see in Isaiah is the coming of God himself. For there in verse 4, Isaiah says, behold, your God will come The two great reformers stressed the importance of using the possessive pronoun to refer to God. Martin Luther wrote these words, our, us, for us, must be written in letters of gold. He who does not believe this is not a Christian. Even the devil can make intellectual assertions about the existence of God, but it is only a Christian who can say, My God, my Lord, our God. These words are written in letters of gold Your God. Will come. And about these very words in Isaiah, John Calvin commented that if we do not know that he is our God, then his approach will produce terror instead of giving cause of joy. Our God will come and he brings judgment to the unrepentant, but he also comes bringing mercy to repentant sinners instead of the judgment that we justly deserve. So to get to the place where we can believe that God is indeed our God, we might first need to ask of Jesus that very same question that John the Baptist asks in our gospel lesson for today. Are you he who is to come or shall we look for another? Is Jesus the one that you've been waiting for? Do you believe that in him you will find pardon, freedom, healing, and hope? We find ourselves in a similar place to Isaiah's first audience, in the woes of the wilderness, bowed low with the weight of sin's consequences. We might labor internally over remorse, over some decision we've made, or some recurrent uh, sin. But we might also labor because of external suffering, uh, something like a prolonged uh, illness, or unemployment, something out of our control, or because someone we love dearly is close to death. We, too, need to remember Isaiah's good news And we need to remember it today, even this week, because this week marks the darkest night of the year. The light continues to wane. We've been creeping towards this longest night of the year in the northern hemisphere all fall. And we feel it. It's a sign of what we feel emotionally about the world around us as well. You know, scholars are not sure exactly what time of year Jesus was born, but there's one thing that's true. And that is that we need Christmas at this time of the year, especially we need to celebrate our Lord's birth now more than ever. We need good news. We need a message from outside ourselves, a light that can break through the darkness and cut through our wilderness blues. I'm reminded of one of my favorite scenes in J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings trilogy. I know, my inner geek is showing. In the two towers, there's a small army, the good guys, of course, who are defending a fortress against an enormous evil army, the bad guys, and they fight over the course of one long, dark night. The small army loses ground and continues to retreat into an even more inward place within the structure. And at the very end of the night, the leaders recognize desperately that they'll have to surrender and admit defeat unless there is soon a miracle. Suddenly, dawn begins to break and the wizard Gandalf appears on one of the surrounding hills He's coming with unexpected reinforcements, and he's clothed with light. The dawn rises behind him, and the sunlight dazzles the dark battlefield, dispelling all the darkness. Help has come from outside, and victory is won. Someone once said that the the darkest hour is just before the dawn. And so if you find yourself today groping in the darkest night or wandering in a barren wilderness, don't be afraid. Your God will come. Your God has come in Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem so long ago. His cross by which we are forgiven By which sinners are ransomed from slavery to sin. His cross is the very epicenter of our salvation. And then healing, new life, transformation, eternal life, hope, and everlasting joy follow like ripples out from the place where a rock is thrown in a pond. Jesus brought about spiritual and material restoration as prophesied by Isaiah. And the signs of healing that he did during his earthly ministry will be fully realized when Jesus comes again. Your God has come and he will come back and everlasting joy will crown our heads and sorrow and sighing will flee away. As St. John has said, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And for that we can say, thanks be to God.